Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's episode, we delve into the birth story of Tamarin, a practitioner renowned as a holistic and intuitive therapist and healer. Tamarin's story begins with a 13-month conception journey where the weight of time began to cast doubts upon the arrival of their long-awaited child. Having wrestled with the complexities of fertility hormones, Tamarin eventually found solace in the offer of a natural alternative, a turning point that led her to conceive her daughter. Her pregnancy became a chapter filled with a deep sense of gratitude as she honored the sacred connection between herself and the life growing within. Instinctively, Tamara knew that her ideal birthing environment was at home, where she could harness familiarity and security. Safeguarding her energy and shielding herself from projected fears, she kept this choice private and surrounded herself with like-minded individuals who could provide the support and guidance she needed. Diving deep into her inner work, she confronted her fears and shadows, nurturing an unwavering belief in her body's innate ability to birth her baby. Today, Tamarin takes us on her transformative journey through the fires of labor that ended in the profound moment of meeting her daughter and shares the deep reverence that her husband held for her as he witnessed her navigate the thresholds of creation. Enjoy the episode. Tamarin, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. What an honor. I love all things birth. So I'm just really excited to download my birth story and process it. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. Before we dive in, could you just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I am living in Sydney currently, um, but I was born in South Africa, raised in Perth, lived in the US for a while, but now calls Sydney home. Um, And currently in our family, um, we've got my husband, Jonathan, myself, our dog, Princey, Susboodle, um, and then our newest addition, Remy. Um, she's six weeks old. Beautiful. And was Remy a planned conception? She was. We actually had been trying to conceive her on and off for about just over a year, like 13 months um, in total. 
um, and it took a little longer than I would have thought or anticipated, but she arrived at the perfect time in my womb and Earthside too, yeah. So was there anything you did in the lead up to her conception to get your body prepared for pregnancy and birth? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I almost did too much, (laughs) although probably (laughs) some people would say there's no such thing as doing too much, right? Um, I feel like I, I tried to plan my conception or my or my body, I suppose, for conception for about like a year and a half to two years um, before. Um, just, you know, kind of the, the general stuff of um, getting off of all the toxic body products and foods and trying to eat as cleanly and organically as possible. Um, and then I kind of went full throttle into... Um, Eastern medicine in terms of like Ayurveda, which is Indian medicine, um, got a lot of treatments and yeah, just like really just immersed myself in that um, to, to conceive. And then, yeah, we thankfully conceived her naturally. I'm, I feel very blessed. Yeah, so, perfect. Yeah. And what about your husband? Did he jump on board as well or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giggling because we're very different in that sense. Um, he's just like, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will relate to this. It's like the woman kind of becomes, um, quite, um, fixated or just focused, heavily focused on conceiving. And the man's just like, it will happen when it happens, you know, and they're that grounding force. Um, you know, beyond taking kind of some supplements that I was pushing down his throat, (laughs) um, you know, just, um, yeah, like a zinc and, and certain supplements that, you know, increase um, sperm quality, et cetera, um, which, you know, in the end he kind of was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if this is working or not. Like, let's just kind of, let's just let's just be present. That's kind of his mantra. Let's just be present. Let's just, you know, because I have the tendency to get a little obsessive about things. Um, but, yeah, aside from that, I think he was kind of just following my lead and, um, he was just doing his own thing. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say he went on that journey with me in terms of preparing his body. He probably did in his own way. Um, you know, there were a couple of months where he wasn't drinking at all and, you know, that kind of stuff just to purify his body. Um, but I would say I kind of went the extreme yeah. in a sense. <laughs> and so take us to the moment that you realized you were pregnant. Was it an intuitive feeling or did you it, just miss yeah. your cycle? Yeah, it definitely was. So actually what happened was um, it had been like on and off 13 months in total. So we didn't try for those 13 months straight. But from the time we started trying um, until when we did conceive, it was about 13 months. Um, and I would say, yeah, so what, what happened was um, I just started to get quite impatient um, and I was feeling pretty optimistic most of the time and then I just really just started to get to me like, where's this baby, you know, what's happening? Um, and what I think threw me off was that my cycle was quite irregular and that's also why I took extra steps to just, you know, purify my body and and make sure that I was... Um, you know, in optimum health because my cycles were irregular. So there were some months where, you know, I would get my cycle day 32 and I'd be like, oh, okay, great. It's like regulating. And then the next month I'd get it day 41. And like what was crazy was on that, those months where it would be, you know, in the 40s, I would like get my hopes up and I think, oh, maybe, maybe I'm pregnant, you know. 
Um, and that was that was a roller coaster for me. So what ended up happening was I went to a fertility clinic um, and um, the fertility specialist was like, let's do ovulation induction because we don't know if you're like ovulating every month or like what's going on. So I was like, okay, well, what does that entail? And I was kind of at that stage just a bit open to everything um, Western as well. Um, but looking back, I'll tell you'll see it's it just all obviously worked out quite funnily. Um, so I did around one round of ovulation induction, and um, it didn't work, and I was devastated after because I was just in my mind I was like, oh, you know, this is a sure bet. Like, how could I not? You know, um, and that was grueling for my body. My body took a huge, it, it, it was impacted so deeply, you know, all the hormones and the injections. And for those listening, like, you know, anyone who goes through IVF or some sort of intervention that's westernized, um, it really does take a toll on the body. So I was pretty devastated after that first round of ovulation induction um, that it didn't work. So for those who don't know, ovulation induction, it's kind of like IVF in the sense that you're injecting your body with hormones, um, to induce ovulation, to bring about ovulation. And then all they say to you is, okay, you've ovulated. They confirm that via tests and um, also, you know, uh, scans. And so they confirm that I was ovulating and then they tell you, okay, now's go time. You can, you know, you can go try and conceive. And so I just thought it was like, you know, like it was just a sure bet I just I just was like this how can this not work so when it didn't work I was like really really deeply disappointed and just so distressed um and then we went away on a trip we actually went away to Vietnam for a couple of weeks just to you know it can get really consuming the whole thing um and then I came back and I contacted the fertility clinic again and I said look like what are my options? I don't want to do another round of ovulation induction and I don't want to do IVF. Like, I really do believe so strongly that my body can conceive naturally. I just had this deep intuition and inner knowing that it could. I was convinced that it could. And I was like, it just needs a bit of help. Um, so they were like, oh, well, you could do cycle management. And I was like, well, what's that? And like, oh, you just come into the clinic for like, you know, every day for a week. And we take your bloods and we see where your hormones are at. You have one scan. Um, and we tell you, again, like when you're ovulating and when it's go time, but it's just without the hormones. So it's completely natural. So I was laughing because I was like, well, why wasn't this pitched to me like the first time I would have done yeah. this and then ovulation induction? Um, well, short short answer is that cycle management was free, whereas mm, ovulation induction cost money. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway did the cycle management. They told me when I was ovulating that month, um, this was the month after the ovulation induction work. And they were like, yeah, it's go time. So we tried and I felt pregnant. And I just knew, I knew that month that that, would ha that it would happen. Like my husband and I actually both knew. We were both like, it's going to happen this month. Um, and so, yeah, when I found out, I was just so obviously ecstatic and I found out on my dad's birthday um, of last year, it was, in, it was October, and um, yeah, there's like a very spiritual story to that that I can share as well, but yeah, just the, 
the synchronicity of it all was was just really beautiful. Um, so what happened was a year before, so 2021, um, I just felt my late grandmother, my dad's mother, um, very close to me. Um, like I wasn't particularly close to her when she was alive, but I just felt like her spirit was quite close to me when I was trying to conceive. I just kind of almost felt she was saying like, just don't give up, don't give up. Um, and so I don't know. I just, I just felt like her presence. And then the one day she, like, I just felt this message from her saying like your dad's birthday, your dad's birthday. And I was like, in the back of my mind, is she saying I'm going to fall pregnant then? Is she saying I'm going to give birth then? Like, and I just had his birthday at the back of my mind. And then I did, I found out on his birthday that I was pregnant, which I just thought was like pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the story of, of the conception. It was a bit of a, 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 a ride, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. And some people have said to me, like, uh, aren't you angry that like the fertility clinic, like didn't tell you about the cycle management ages ago that you didn't find out about it before, you know, you'd gone. And I was thinking, no, like timing is everything. And I found out in the time that I was meant to. And how can I live my life with like, what if, or, you know, it should have been this way. I'm like, no, she came into my womb. She occupied my womb when she was meant to. And, you know, she came earth side when she was meant to. So these babies choose and we don't, we, we don't believe they do. Like, I feel like as adults, we, um, we have a little bit of arrogance. Mm-hmm. you know we're like we know better but these babies yeah. have such a higher intelligence like a cosmic intelligence and they just know they just know yeah absolutely and so how was your pregnancy and did you race and tell your husband straight away that you were pregnant or yeah so what happened was I I the clinic had called me um I remember it was a Friday but like I didn't need their call I just kind of knew mm-hmm. but um I wasn't going to do a test until, like, they called me, um, a pregnancy test. So I didn't actually need to do a pregnancy test. But because I'd peed on the stick so many months and it had come up negative, I wanted to pee on the stick and just be positive. Yeah. After they called me, I was like, oh, can I'm, I'm going to go pee on a stick now. And the nurse laughed. Um, but what happened was just later on that day, I called my husband upstairs and I put the pregnancy test in like a gift bag. I was like, babe, I have um, a gift for you. I actually recorded it. I've got a video of it. And I said, I've got a gift for you. And he was like, oh, no, you know, you know, I don't like gifts. So I was like, no, you'll like this one. <laughs> and um, he opened the gift bag and he just like hugged me and he was like, see, I told you we'd make this happen. It happened. Like, see, I told, like, he was just kind of like, see you didn't have to lose hope you know because there were some dark times where I did lose hope and of course that happened I'm human you know I'm going to have days where it gets really dark and you do lose hope um but yeah no he was just really happy and then um I told my parents and um I just I couldn't wait to tell them um and then in terms of the pregnancy um it was it was a pretty good pregnancy, I have to say, thankfully. Um, I was quite nauseous the first trimester up until actually exactly 12 weeks. Like the day 12 weeks came, my nausea just like 
you know, dissipated. It just it, it went into thin air. And um, aside from that, like, I didn't really have, you know, anything anything to comment on. I know some people, you know, don't have such great pregnancies and it's, it's quite difficult. But, um, yeah, I, I had a pretty good pregnancy. Um, I started getting a little bit of pelvic pain toward the end. Um, I'm quite petite, so I think just the weight of her you know, it just impacted my body. Yeah. Um, yeah, pregnancy was pretty smooth, thankfully. Yeah. And what was your perception of birth at that stage? Were there any fears associated oh with it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm laughing because my perception of birth, like when I was pregnant, compared to like, well, when I found out I was pregnant, compared to during my pregnancy, like drastically shifted. And I say that because. I just had no idea. I just, mm. I had no idea. I knew that I wanted to do a home birth. Like I knew that. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and I really just, I, I wouldn't say I was attached to the home birth, but I was very set on it. Can I just quickly ask, had you seen home birth? Before? Um, it was more, uh, somewhat like okay. not a huge exposure. Okay. It was more just an intuitive knowing that that's what I wanted to and needed to do. Yeah. Um, and then the more I researched and read up and did my own, you know, research, I, I read a lot about it. Um, it yeah. just confirmed that that was the right choice for me. Um, and almost that's kind of what Remy, our daughter wanted, like that's how she wanted to enter the world. So, um, yeah, no, my, <laughs> I didn't really have any fears of birth before pregnancy because I was kind of just being very present in like being pregnant and feeling really happy and blessed that I was pregnant. It was more kind of toward the end where I really started doing a lot of inner work around releasing fears around birth and um, that that's when kind of things started to shift um, and I had to kind of yeah release those fears and limiting beliefs I had around giving birth or birth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So take us through that process. What were some of the things that you did, like resources you used to get yourself ready for your birth? Okay. There were a few things. So there was the most unbelievable book, but it's kind of, it could be radical to to some people. Um, but it's, it's called Sacred Birthing by Sunny Carl. Have you heard of that book? Yeah, I have. Phenomenal book. And I actually, I would reread chapters because I just found it so amazing. Um, and so I read that book. Um, I read a book by Jane Hardwick Collins, um, and now I'm just forgetting the name. Um, Ten but, Moons? Yeah, exactly, Ten Moons. Um, and then I was part of a like a Vedic, like an Ayurvedic spiritual pregnancy circle, and there were about 12 women in it, and um, we just all met up monthly and we discussed birth and birthing and how our bodies are you know, born to birth and how, you know, obviously there are times where intervention is needed, but intervention can be like highly cascading um, and just lead to more, you know, complications. Um, So I think I was surrounded by people who, you know, quite a few people who were doing home births or they were doing water births in like birthing suites um, and weren't wanting intervention. Um, So I think it's just kind of the energy I surrounded myself with and the energy I decided I, um, you know, I wanted to kind of focus on. So, yeah, so that's kind of what I did to prepare. And then I did a few sessions, like fear-releasing sessions, 
with myself because of the work that I do um like the sphere I'm in in terms of like you know a holistic therapist and energy intuitive healer um and then I also did some work with uh, one of my doulas um some like womb healing and then just also preparing my body um for birth also positive positive like hypnobirthing um that also helped and just also watching really positive um birth experiences and videos and really blocking out the noise because there's a lot of noise um and then something I I did which I really I I'm so happy that I did do is I didn't really tell many people I was home birthing um not because mm. I was ashamed but because I did not want their opinions projected onto me I didn't want their fear mm. I didn't want their fear and there's so much fear around birth like so much fear and that's actually something that shocked me um I didn't realize until I was pregnant that um there was so much fear around birthing mm. and women's bodies you know um and so no one really asked me I think someone said to me oh I hope you're not doing a home birth knowing you oh, wow. and I kind of just <laughs> smiled and I walked away cuz I was like I'm not defending my decision and yeah. I don't need to say that I am and I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not you know so mm. um but now that I've had a successful thankfully home birth and a positive experience I'm kind of telling the whole world. Yes. <laughs> like people are like, "Whoa, you did that?" because now it's like I don't care about their fear. I'm like, "Yeah, I want you to know that I should I could be kind of an inspiration because it's possible. I'm showing you it's possible." Yeah. And so yeah, we just um that was kind of my experience and I feel like as the days were were leading up to my estimated due date I say estimated because babies are like never on time yeah. <laughs> especially the first time but um yeah Remy came on her due date which oh, that wow. we'll we'll get into in a little bit that was that took me by surprise a bit um but just yeah as the as it came closer and closer to you know the 40 week mark um I was getting deeper and deeper into my fears and I was really facing them and one thing was like the pain I remember just exploring that with one of my doulas like ah oh, I just I don't know how I'm going to handle the pain and I don't know what the pain's going to be like like there's so many unknowns and I just remember feeling really fearful just of the pain you know and how how was I going to get through the pain um I was never fearful about is she going to be okay is she going to be safe that was never a fear um another fear I had was I don't want to go to hospital like I don't want a hospital transfer I'll do anything I can to like avoid that. Um what if I'm, you know, what if I have to go? Um another um fear I had was like just how's my husband going to handle this because at the beginning he wasn't very on board with the home birth but he became really on board. Um but I was like, you know, how's he going to deal with it and I'm worried about him. Um and what if he, you know, gets really anxious and then you know during the birth i pick up on that and then i am feeling that energy so there was kind of a lot of little key parts that i had to work on releasing or just confronting really um to move through that and to get closer to the birthing portal um you know that was that was coming was there anything that really helped uh with your husband releasing those anxieties? Um I think my midwife played yeah. like a really um integral role in just reassuring him and I think toward the end he like really started to look up to her as like mm. an authority figure, you know. Um 
which I didn't like I obviously I think she is a wealth of wisdom and she knows so much and she's amazing but I kind of looked within for that that you know wisdom um because it's it's my body but I suppose for a man it's different they need kind of an external person of safety or like reassurance or comfort and maybe I think looking back my midwife was that for him in some ways and then also um me like I was so strongly willed and like really strong-headed about this home birth that I just think he felt like well he doesn't have a choice because the one day he said to me look this is your body you're birthing her and you need to make the decision of what you feels right and and whether or not I would have chosen this you know it's a different story but I'm not birthing her you are so this is up to you Um, and I think he just that's kind of how he came around to to maybe working through some of his fears or, um, yeah, I think, I think I just kept saying to him, like, look, every, I trust everything's going to be safe. And I said to him, like, worst, worst case, something, you know, is not going the way we want it to. We're 15 minutes away from the hospital. You know, we, we can, we can go there at any point. And I think me saying that, like, gave him a sense of, you know, security and 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 comfort and did you book your private midwife the minute you found out you're pregnant I did I had her from six weeks so that was like it was the best decision one of the best decisions I've ever made was just to hire her early on and then I just really had like almost 24 7 you know access to her obviously I didn't contact her all hours of the night seven days a week 24 hours a day but you know during the first trimester I had a lot of questions about is this normal like you know I'm feeling this is this okay um can I do this can I take this you know so um she was just amazing because she was just you know I had access to her from very early on that six week mark um, until the other day, which was six weeks postpartum. So pretty amazing, that continuity of care. Oh, my God. Like, I cannot emphasize how imperative that was for my um, emotional stability postpartum, um, even just a calm, smooth pregnancy, um, you know, and just especially postpartum, that support. Um, and her coming to our house every day for seven days and then every week and then every other week and just that support was just so invaluable like I would have paid way more than I paid like I just think if you can afford it and you do have access to that like I know a lot of hospitals also do um, you know they offer home the home birth programs but um, if you just have access to being able to you know, afford a private midwife. I really, I don't want to preach, but from my experience, it was it was the way to go. It was just so incredible. Yeah. And you mentioned as well that you also hired a doula. Is that right? I did. So I had a team of um, so two doulas. So what happened was I initially hired a doula early on in the piece, and then as things progressed. I just felt like I wasn't connected to her and I felt like, um, I don't know, the energy was just not connected. Like I just, she was lovely, but I just, you know, it's like you go on a date with someone and you just don't vibe. Mm. It's like they're just not for you. So I ended up kind of um, just parting ways with her and then 
I think I was around 36 or 37 weeks and um, I decided to choose another doula and um, I love her, like I'm still in contact with her and um, she said to me, look, I'm, I'd love to take you on, um, I, I just, I also really connect with you, the only thing is, um, is that I'm away for a couple of days over your due date but if you still feel comfortable, take me on like you can. And then you can just have my like partner kind of as a backup. Um, sorry, that's a little bub waking up a little bit. Um, and so um, I was like, okay, we had a bit of a laugh because we we're like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to come on my due date. Like, who does? Like, as a first time mom and just an estimated date. Anyway, she went away to Fiji. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, she wasn't there for the actual birth, but she was on the phone to me like you know days before when I went into kind of I had pre-labor signs and the doula that was there was also phenomenal um and yeah so I had kind of both of them as support and then my initial doula who was away um I've had a few debrief sessions with her after the birth as well so that's been really nice and she's visited a few times so that's been like really beautiful experience too yeah nice so should we jump to the end of your pregnancy now? How yes. were you feeling in those last few days before labor? So last few days um, before my labor, I'm feeling a bit heavy because, again, I'm on kind of the smaller side. Um, and I'd taken off, um, like I was on maternity leave. And then it's July 2nd, and it's actually my birthday that day. Um, everything's fine. Um, my husband and I go out for dinner to celebrate my birthday um we go for like a long walk um like that weekend and we were just kind of good, like being outside with our dog as much as possible and just kind of taking things slow and then we get back from dinner that night and I started to have um a bit of a bloody show so a bit of blood um in my discharge I uh, started to get some um you know period like cramping I texted my midwife she was like yep this is a sign that in the next couple of days you will go into labor these are pre-labor signs so I was just like okay cool like it's happening um and then Sunday night I actually did not sleep at all like I was just so restless um I you know I had that cramping it wasn't like terrible but it was definitely enough to prevent me from sleeping I texted my midwife the next morning the Monday morning she was like Tam like you really need to rest over the next couple of days because you're going to need energy for labor. Um, and so she was like, if you can, I know you don't like to take things, but would you consider taking just a Panadol tonight just to take the edge off and help you sleep? So I was like, okay, I'm just doing it because I just feel like I do need the sleep. So it was actually a really good decision because I slept like one of the best sleeps of my entire life. I woke up at 10 a.m. the next morning on Tuesday morning, had a really good sleep Monday um, night, um, didn't have any signs of labor on the Monday, the Monday night or the Tuesday or the Tuesday night or the Wednesday. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's not as soon as my midwife thinks. So then, um, Wednesday night comes about 10 30, I start getting cramps again. Um, and then I, um, also start, I went to the bathroom and there was also like a little bit of blood. So I was like, okay, it's come back texted my midwife again, told her what's happening. She said, you know, if you can take a Panadol again, I know you don't like taking it, but 
you do need to sleep. So just to take the edge off. About half an hour later, I told my husband, I said, Jonathan, I don't know what's happening. These cramps are intensifying. They're not terrible, but I'm just going to go in a shower. The Panadol's not really helping. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to text the midwife and the doula. And I was like, Jonathan, like, please don't. Like, It's too premature. Like, nothing's happening. It's just the same as Monday night. I don't want them coming all the way here. It's nighttime. Like, don't do it. He did it anyway. Oh. <laughs> and um, half an hour later, they were at my house. And I was in the bath downstairs. And I was having surges. Um, and they were getting stronger and stronger and I was in complete denial. I was like, I, remember, I remember the midwife walked in. I was like, what are you doing here? Like, I'm not coming into labor. And she just laughed. She's like, yeah, you are. And I was like, what? Like on her due date. And my husband's like, yes, I knew she was coming. Like, um, and then I was in the bath for a bit. Um, and then my doula was there with me and my midwife went to the living room to set up the birth pool with Jonathan and like I came out and there were all these like LED candles and fairy lights and everything was covered and I just remember saying oh I feel like it's like my birthday is continuing like <laughs> I felt like I was coming to like a party like a like a celebration it was actually really beautiful and I was just so touched that like I'm not I'm not super good at receiving so I was just like really touched like I'm usually the nurturer and the giver and like I'd come out of the bath and this was all done already you know mm. and looking back I'm like what did what did I expect like of course I'm not going to be setting up like of course they are um and then I was just walking around the pool while um it was being filled up um and I was kind of just really starting to get into a bit of a zone um, and I was connecting to my nana who had just passed in May. I was very close with her. That's not the grandmother I was referring to earlier. This is my mother's mother who I was really close with and I was just really on a different cosmic level. I was connecting to her as I was walking almost like this labyrinth around the birth pool and I was just thinking of her and I was like, Nana, please help me through this. Um, I want your I want your support. I need your help. Um, and I just felt her presence so strongly. Um, and so I just remember certain times and then everything else is kind of a blur, um, which I'm sure a lot of women say during um, birth. Mm. But 11 p.m. I kind of was starting to get really strong surges. 2 a.m. my waters broke. Um and yeah, there's a lot that happened in between that time. Um, she came at 3.28 p.m. So waters broke 2 a.m. She came 3.28 p.m. Well, I think, I'm sorry, my waters broke at 3 a.m., either between either 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And she came 12 hours later. So it was a very long night um, and day too. Um, but what happened was I just remember I was – I was starting to get used to the pain of the surges. I was really breathing so deeply through them. And one thing that really helped me was my breath. Like I can say that like breath work is so underrated. Like it is so incredible what it does. Um, and so breathing through the surges started to get, you know, acclimated or adjusted, like really adapting to the pain of the surges and breathing through them. Um, and then my midwife and midwives, because I had a backup one too that came, um, 
they and my doula started kind of um, telling me, okay, like you can push now. Um, I don't know what time that was, but I started to push, but I didn't feel an urge to push. So I was pushing for a while and then they were like, okay, now you can stop pushing. So I stopped pushing, got out of the pool a few times, um, you know, went on all fours. Um, you know, there was a time where I went into the shower downstairs and just for a break and I started I remember just like I became so primal like I started banging the floor with my fist um and just breathing through the surges came back you know into the living room um you know next thing I know like daylight hits which really put me off as the night like there's obviously you know there's a reason why us women we go into labor during the night you know with with the hormones and with melatonin um and also as a biological thing you know like think about animals like they want to give birth at night so that the predators can't see you know they're young um and I just I really felt so 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 um just really it's almost as if I was on this path and then daylight hit and someone like just like pushed me like just out of the way it was like I was pushed off my path when daylight hit when sunrise came um and so what happened was my midwife was like okay well I can tell that you're you're not in a zone anymore and um the light is really you know impacting you so let's move you to a dark room and just take take a rest so I remember going into the guest bedroom and just lying down on the bed and I fell asleep in like fetal position I don't know for how long I was kind of under the naive impression that I got really excited when my waters had broken because I was like oh cool they broke and like she's going to come soon you know little did I know like that doesn't always happen like you know it can be 12 like in my case it was 12 hours after my waters broke that that she she arrived so went to the dark room had a little bit of a sleep um came back out um started trying again um and got back in the pool then got out of the pool a few times put the tens machine on Um, my lower back on the one side was really hurting I wasn't experiencing back labor but it was really, really painful, like as if someone had just took taken a hammer and like hit me in the my lower back. So my doula was just massaging like really deeply there and that was helping. My husband then was massaging there. Um, he never left my side the entire time. Like I think he left once to take a shower and I'll tell you why. But um, yeah, so then got back to the birth pool, was kind of in and out, in and out. Then they said, okay, try push again, tried to push, but wasn't having the urge to push. Then I, then, you know, time was passing and they were like, okay, you're, you're getting dehydrated. Um, and they wanted to put a, like an IV drip, like a, a cannula in, in my wrist. Um, and they tried to, but my body was just kind of like rejecting it. And I remember kind of just shouting, like it was, it was so excruciating that needle, um, more so than the surges. And I was, and I'm fine with needles usually. I think it's just, when your body's just in overdrive and it's like, I can't take any more pain, yeah. take that out of me now. <laughs> so they took it out of my hand. Um, and then I said to my midwife, because originally I wasn't going to do any like internal examinations. I was just kind of going to go with the flow. But you get to a point sometimes where you're just so exhausted and your body's doing the best it can. And you're just like, I just want, I just wanted a sense of, 
like when's this going to be over type thing. <laughs> so um, I had an internal examination on the couch and my midwife was like, okay, you're seven centimetres dilated. And I don't even remember what time this was. It was during the day. Um, she's like, and something is like blocking, like something in your cervix is, is kind of blocking you. So you're not going to be able to, to, to push. And I was like, well, now I've got a huge urge to push. Like, as she said, you can't push. I was like, but I've got a huge urge to push. And they were like, okay, we'll get back in the pool. Got back in the pool and I was crying. I was like, I have to push. Please let me push. And the midwives were like, you can't. And I was like, what do you mean I can't? And they were like, you're going to damage, um, you're going to damage your, um, your cervix um, if you push because you're, you're just not ready yet. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, tell me, like, how long do I not have to push for? Because it's just like this this overwhelming feeling of needing to push. Something's coming out. And, like, then also, you know, fused with that was the surges. So it was like a lot. Um, and they were like 15 or 20 minutes. And those 15 or 20 minutes of, like, not being able to push were like the worst 15, 20 minutes that my body had ever, ever injured. Like it was just so horrible. Um, and so I then I think got back on the couch and my midwife um, like just examined me again. And she was like, look, I, there's something, you know, apologies in advance for like the fuzziness, but I still, she's told me this a few times and I still kind of don't really remember what happened. But she said that something was um, something was like blocking um, my cervix, like just like a. So she kind of just went in with her fingers and just like just moved something out of the way, and apparently I just and I also do remember this vaguely. I shut up from the couch, like I was lying down. I shut up, my face lit up, and I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Like it's go time." Wow. And I got back in the pool and I was pushing for about. I don't know, there was half an hour, an hour. Um, and she was in position the entire time. She was like, you know, head engaged or whatever, but um, she was getting a little bit stuck. Um, so my midwife had to, at the end, just go in and like her shoulder was like a little bit, bit stuck. So go in and kind of bring her out. Um, and like, it's funny, my, my midwife, not funny, but my midwife was, was really apologetic because she said, you know, with all my mums, like I like to kind of take a back seat and sit back and let them catch their baby. And I felt bad that I took that away from you. And I said, please don't apologize. Like I felt like I, I really just, I needed that. For me, was like not traumatic. It was not, you know, disappointing. I didn't even think that, you know, she took that away from me. I just... I really just, I was exhausted. I, I had, I'd really just run this marathon that was just ne felt like it was never ending. So did your midwife ever say that your bub had uh, shoulder dystocia? She didn't have shoulder dystocia, but her shoulder was a tiny bit like just stuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She didn't have the dystocia, but it was a bit stuck. Okay. And it was delaying things. So right. I don't know how much longer it would have gone on for had she not kind of done that. And, mm. you know, mm -hmm. I didn't want... Remy to be in distress at all um I wasn't worried like no one was really panicking but it was just you felt like the right decision yeah. um, and so she did that and yeah Remy came um one of the 
the the like things that I will never ever forget is they told me a few times <clears throat> toward the end to just feel you know her head um before you know she like as she was descending and I, and I felt that and I was like whoa that's like amazing and then the other thing was like um as she got closer they put the mirror you know in the like towards um my vagina and I could just see like this black hair stick mm -hmm. out of my vagina like her hair off her head wow. like and I was like whoa this is my baby's hair it's mm -hmm. like black and it's like it just it was such an incredible magical moment and that gave me that was like the catalyst for me to just start sumo squatting and really just pushing yeah. and just being like I need to meet her now you know that just seeing that little the little bits of hair off her head um and then yeah she came I pulled her straight up on my chest so my midwife was very quick to kind of let go of her to give her to me like like it was almost like she took her out, put her in the water, and then I lifted her up from the water um, and then put her on my chest. Um, and, yeah, just uh, was so – my husband was just very emotional. Um, I was just in awe of what had gone. I think I was just in – I think you go into shock, really. It's like mm. you're just like, whoa, what, what, what's just happened, you know? Um, but just in absolute awe of my body. And my husband was like, just, I've never heard him just praise me so much. He was like, you are out of this world. He's like, your face just morphed into someone I didn't recognize. He's like, you as a person just transformed into such a powerful, strong being. He's like, I'm in awe of you, you mm. know, and every man should say that about, or everyone should say, forget a man, every person should say that about birthing and about a woman's, you know, um, a, a woman's ability to birth. It's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. So take us through your afterbirth experience. Yeah. So got up on the couch and, um, was just, I had Remy on my chest and we were just doing kind of the breast crawl um, so that she could find my breast. Um, and that was like really successful. So she found quite quickly and she started suckling and that was also a really special moment. Um, and then my placenta came 45 minutes after I gave birth to her. Um, and then we just obviously waited for it to stop pulsating. Um, and then my husband cut um, the umbilical cord, which I also wasn't expecting him to do, but he was like, yep, I'm doing that. Um, and the placenta, um, we're actually, we haven't done it yet, but we're going to use it it's in our freezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously it's packaged up very nicely, but, um, we're going to use it as, um, we're going to plant it in the, in the garden. Um, and I've got some beautiful seeds, um, and it can be like, you know, little ode to, to Remy, like her tree. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the afterbirth in terms of like birthing the placenta. I remember them saying to me, okay, you're going to have to birth your placenta now, which I'd completely forgotten about. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I do not want to push anything out of this for a very long time. Yeah. They were like, do not worry. It's going to be a piece of cake compared to what you just pushed out. And it's true. It was actually like a huge relief after like you, you push out the placenta. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're still very early postpartum, but how has the last six weeks been? 
It's been beautiful. Um, it's been also a roller coaster. I'm going to be real. Um, I felt really emotional um, just before my milk came in. Um, so there were two days where I was just, I was sobbing. I was really, really just low and also felt guilt for like what, what's going on. I should be so happy. You know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've got a newborn. I've wanted this for so long. Um, and I, and I can imagine that that's what women who experience postpartum, um, depression would go through on an ongoing basis. So I, I feel like an extra, extra amount of compassion and empathy for those women because that was that was tough like the hormones and and balancing Mm. um but other than that um I would say it's been amazing because um I had my mom here well I had my parents here um for a couple of weeks and my mom just left on Friday they live in Perth um and so she moved in with us for a few weeks and she was like phenomenal help um just you know you you're as as a new mom you just want your own mom if you've got a relationship mm. with her you just you just want that um you know she'd do like so many loads of washing and I didn't need to tell her what to do she would just know what to do like um what was amazing was I had a meal train um set up so we were fed for a couple of weeks um I also the best investment I, I also did was I went, I looked into like a meal service um, there on the central coast and I did like um, Ayurvedic um, food for a couple of weeks. I'm still kind of eating that way. So eating like a very particular way, which means like my breast milk supply was really good. um, And I just feel like my breast milk quality has been good and she's been feeding well. Um, And I think that's all a cascade, like what you choose to do, like how you choose to birth, the the kind of birth you have. and you know the food you're eating it all really you know impacts the temperament of the baby which I didn't realize until now um and yeah it's it's been it's been you know it's been a huge shift um obviously uh, from um maiden to mother but you know I'm loving it I I really I really love it (laughs) so um I do feel the physical recovery took probably a lot longer than I anticipated um I couldn't walk for a couple of weeks properly, um, maybe two weeks. Um, I also had um, my labia was grazed. Um, so my mom had to kind of spray the peri. <laughs> That's also why you want, you know, someone around, like she had to spay, spray like the peri, um, perennial like bottle, you know, the, the peri spray bottle of water on me. And um, yeah, the, it was intense. It's been it's been an intense physical healing journey. Mm. Um, and I probably wasn't anticipating that, but again, birth, um, the body, the body's kind of like traumatized in a way from birth. Like it's a huge thing. Um, you know, and so whether you do a C-section or a natural birth, it's like there's the body goes through a lot. Um, and so it's taken time to recover. But one thing I also have done, which has been incredible to my recovery and I can probably attribute a a relatively quick recovery um, is that I didn't buy into that bounce back culture. So what I did was I decided early on I was going to do the 40 days of cocooning ourselves at home um, and the only visitors we'd have for the first six weeks um, 
were family um, and I wasn't going to have any friends around until they've only come the past couple of days um, and I was just not going to rush around. Um, I was The only time I'd leave the house was to go for like outside walks and to get a little bit of sun mm. um, but other than that I wasn't going to you know just bounce back and rush back to socialize or anything like that and I think because of that Remy's been very placid um, because I've been quite calm um, and I haven't put stress on me or anyone to kind of do this or do that. So um, that's kind of been my postpartum journey so far. Amazing. So looking at your entire journey, what would be your key pieces of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? <sighs> it's like try and find a balance of having a vision of what you want your pregnancy and your birth and even your postpartum and motherhood to look like, like have a vision of it, but don't attach to it. So one thing I forgot to mention was right when I was transitioning um, during the birth, um, I said I want an epidural, <laughs> which, you know, every woman I'm sure is doing yeah. natural birth has said at one point or another. And then I said to my midwife and my birthing team, I was just like, what happens if we go to hospital? And that was a really pivotal point for the birth because in my mind, I was so fearful about going to the hospital that in my mind, I had to go there. Like I had to go to the hospital. So what happened was I did go there in my mind. I saw the entrance of the hospital. I asked them what would happen if we go. My midwife turned around. She said, they will 100% induce you. If you're okay with that, we can go. She's like, at any point in time, Tam, this birth is your decision and, you know, if everything's going as it has been going, you get to choose what you want to do. So um, that's actually, sorry, that's when I said to you before, like, oh, my husband never left my side except he went and took a shower. Mm -hmm. So what actually happened was at that point when I started to explore going to hospital out loud and in my mind, I went to a very deep place of that inner work of, like, confronting that fear and what it would look like and detaching from like, I can't go there, like, you know, like that fear of I can't go there and being open to going there, but also knowing I don't need to go there. Does that make sense? It was like totally. a really spiritual, like it was like this invitation. And at that point, my husband was like, okay, I'm going to go shower in case we need to go. And apparently he went to shower. And in that moment that he left, I was like, I made up my mind. I was like, nap, we're definitely not going to the hospital. I'm not going. I'm doing this. I'm seeing this through. And then he came downstairs and he was like, we just kind of both, without talking or communicating, you know, verbally, we both had processed going to hospital and then not. Like he'd almost accepted that I wasn't going to go to hospital and that he was okay with that and he wasn't fearful anymore. It's like he'd let go of his fears in the shower and I let go of my fears in the pool. And then we came back together. And then she came very quickly after that. Um, so back to your question, it's really like in three simple words or four simple words, I really advise everyone, every woman to do the inner work because pregnancy is no joke. Birthing is no joke. Being a mother, it takes so much work, um, inner work. You know, and that birth, like people have said to me, you're so lucky you had like such a smooth, amazing birth. You're so lucky you had the birth you wanted. I had like 
you know, I had to do this at the hospital. And I'm thinking to myself, I obviously don't say this because it's a sensitive thing, but I'm not lucky. Like I chose what I wanted and people are like, yeah, but you know, it could have gone a bad way. And I'm like, but I did the work to make sure it didn't go a bad way. Like I, I did so much inner work, you know, to release fears and to detach from outcomes. And I'm not, it's not luck for me. It's work. And I worked to get there. I worked to have the birth that I wanted. So my suggestion is a few things like detach from outcomes, explore why you're so attached to things, explore your fears detach from those fears and do the inner work yes there's physical endurance but I do feel like I'd committed so much to having this home birth Um, and I also do remember thinking what will people say you know like family members who um, maybe didn't have confidence um, in us or like our decision to do the home birth there would be kind of that element of like, see, told you so. And I had to also go there in the birth and be like, who cares? Who cares what someone else thinks? This is for me. This is for Remy. This is, this is for our family, like me, Jonathan, Remy, like to have this home birth. She's choosing this, you know? And I had to also go all of like, go there, go really deep during that, like being in that birth portal and like during that transition period of like just before she came. Mm. And that, and that's like the power of birth, right? It takes you to the depths you've never been to before. And you come out of it like this new person with just so much reverence to yourself and like the power of what you've just experienced. So powerful. It's really potent. It's really, really (laughs) potent. And I underestimated it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what an incredible journey you've had, Tamara. And thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your experience with us. It's been a joy. Oh, thank you for having me. I feel like I talked your ear off, but it was nice to process and, and download it and just, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a beautiful experience. I'm just really feel very blessed. That brings us to the end of today's episode. What a beautiful story for you guys to draw inspiration from. I am always so fascinated by what elements that are unique to a laboring mother impact her laboring process. So in Tamarin's case, the emerging daylight drew her out of the depths of her intense labor and consequently slowed things down. This is such a powerful reminder of the inherent wisdom our bodies hold and the remarkable influence of our minds during labor. Our bodies possess this astonishing ability to perceive and respond to the environment it's in, and our instincts prioritize safety and well-being. So for Tamarin, just that introduction of daylight, which might seem insignificant to some, actually held the power to re-engage her logical mind. The ability to move to a darker room was everything Tamron needed to then transcend back to Labourland. This is why it is so important that you guys choose a space that you feel safe and secure in. It doesn't matter where it is, as long as your body and your mind can be relaxed and feel safe so that all you have to do is focus on bringing your baby outside. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Please let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. And if you love PBA, we would be forever grateful if you could take a moment out of your time to subscribe or leave a review on your podcast platform. This feedback helps us to reach more women who need it and to continue bringing you inspiring stories each week. 
Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We will be back next week with another episode of PBA. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth.